but it is the same God who works in us all. And that's the same Greek word, the word that says working effectively. It's the same God, different gifts, a variety of different activities, but the same God working in us all. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, as you find your places, you can also find your place in the Bible at Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We're going to be looking at God who works effectively. Verse 6 tells us, But those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows no personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. Now, it's interesting because when Paul says those who seem to be something, he's talking about James, Peter, and John in context of the passage. He says, those who seem to be something. You ever get around, well, I I told Lily, I got an email this week, and we can go out on Thursday night and have a meet and greet with Greg Laurie if we want to. And I know how I get when I get around the big names of church. I get kind of weird because I'm just not comfortable, even though there should be no reason. But when I go up to speak to Pastor Chuck, who's the founder, again, of Calvary Chapels, um, I get a little nervous because they are of reputation. They seem to be something. Realize that God loves you. God loves me as much as he loves Greg Laurie, Pastor Chuck, Ruth Graham, who's already went to be with the Lord, Billy Graham, I remember Chuck telling a story once when he was invited to Billy Graham's, I believe it was Billy Graham's 75th birthday party. And Chuck had never met Billy Graham. And so Chuck was nervous about meeting Billy Graham. He's just, we're all the same, aren't we? But he said when he came to the door, him and his wife Kay, when they came to the door, Billy Graham turned the tables on Chuck and said, I've always wanted to meet you. And he just put him at ease and just turned it right around on Chuck to where Chuck just saw he was such a gracious man. But those who seem to be something, he's talking about James, about Peter, about John. But then he goes on, it seems like he's really cutting them down. He says, it makes no difference to me. 
But what he's trying to teach us is that God truly does show no personal favoritism. Peter would also realize this truth in Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35. When dealing with the Gentiles, he came into that situation not knowing what God had for him. But when he got there at the house of Cornelius, and it says, Peter opened his mouth and said, I in truth perceive that God shows no partiality. And here's a Jew saying to the Gentiles, God sees us all as one, all the same. We are same, the same in the eyes of Jesus Christ. God may give one man or one woman more opportunity. People like Billy Graham or Chuck Smith or Greg Laurie or women like Ruth Graham or Kay Smith or Kay Arthur. They're, you know, they're names. And I just imagine each of us, if we were in the presence of such people, if we knew who they were, even uh, with Greg Laurie coming, one of the pastors who came to the impact rally um, said that before he was a Christian, before he was a believer, he said, I didn't know who Billy Graham was. He thought he was a wrestler. Because <laughs> apparently there's a wrestler named Billy Graham. So he couldn't believe that this wrestler was doing this big crusade and he was going to go to it. So if we know them, we might be kind of odd in front of them. But Paul is just laying it out. Peter has said it in times past too. God shows no partiality. But he goes on, Peter saying in verse 35 of Acts 10, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And that's the message. We're all accepted by Jesus Christ because it's not because of our works. It's not because of anything that we do. I am a sinner who needed to be saved by grace. In reality, I was a hellbound sinner. And apart from the work of Jesus Christ in my life, that would be my destination. And in reality, so were you. So was Billy Graham. So was Pastor Chuck. So was Greg Laurie. And none of those men would deny it. Well, Ruth Graham, she's already there in his presence. But Kay Smith, Kay Arthur, we're still on that journey together. God shows no partiality. But whoever believes through Jesus Christ, we're all saved in the same way. Paul said to Timothy, and this is just it was a saying of Paul's day, but he wrote it down in 1 Timothy 1.15. And perhaps we should get this one locked in our head because Paul said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinner of whom I am the chief. Paul said, I was the biggest sinner. He was persecuting the church. He was putting people to death. He says, I'm a chief of sinners, but Christ came to save. And Paul was saved. So wherever you're at, whatever you've done, realize that Christ can overcome all those things. Verse 7, but on the contrary, when they saw, again, the they, James, Peter, and John, when they saw the gospel for the uncircumcision had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James Cyphus, Peter's given name, 
and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me. They gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So they gave the message out. They presented, this is what we're preaching. And they said, you know what? Keep preaching it. And there was this realization as Paul, God has called you to go preach to the Gentiles. Now, although Peter has preached to the Gentiles, there was also the realization that Peter was the apostle to the Jews. It's interesting because if we would look at it, Paul was the one who was raised in Judaism. He was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had all the credentials and he could probably twist apart any argument that any of the Jews could put before him. And yet God said, I'm not going to use you there. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles and you're going to preach the gospel to them. Now, Peter, he was a fisherman. Scripture tells us in Acts chapter 4 that the Sanhedrin court, when Peter and John were on trial, the apostles were on trial, Scripture tells us that they realized that these were untrained and unlearned men. But they also realized that they've been with Jesus. In our world, here you have the untrained, the unlearned men, the fishermen. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to have you be the apostle to the Jews. I want them through your life to witness what faith really is. Because I I just, well, we know through Scripture, they were not tedious. The apostles were not tedious. The disciples about keeping the law. You know, they're walking through the field. It's on the Sabbath day. They were hungry. They were harvesting the corn and eating. Where the Jews were saying, you're not supposed to harvest on the Sabbath day. They'd sit down and eat a meal. Now, I worked construction for many years. And I got to tell you, I, if I could, I'd wash up before I ate. Washing up in a, a mortar bucket is not the cleanest water to use. But that's what I'd use because it was water. Now, I see these fishermen and I could just think as fishermen do, you know, you're cleaning the fish. It's time for lunch. Fish is ready. All right, there's the water. Let's wash up. That's not clean, but it's good enough for a fisherman. The mortar bucket's good enough for a bricklayer sometimes. But to the Jews, when they washed, they were like surgeons. I mean, they literally, you had to wash in running water that it would drip off your elbows. And when they said, how come your disciples aren't washing properly? That's what they were talking about. It's like, you got to wash this way in order to really be clean. It makes sense to us. But Jesus said, you know what? It's not the washing of the hands, the dirt that you might eat and pick up when you eat that defiles the body. But what really defiles the body is the attitude of the heart. You guys are missing the main point about the washings and everything. It's to show you that we are defiled people and God needs to do a different type of cleansing to truly make us clean. So he said, Peter, you're going to be the apostles to the Jews. And I like this line, he who worked effectively. It, it, it means God being active in the lives of Peter and the other apostles in the lives of Paul and Barnabas. 
God working effectively in Peter for the apostleship also worked effectively in me. See, Paul realized, Peter realized that it was really God behind the scenes. I always pray before I come into this pulpit. And one common prayer is, Lord, that you would not only use me, but that you would speak through me. This morning, I said, Lord, would you not only use me and speak through me, but I'm already tripping on my tongue today. So could you help clean up that mess? Because I can tell sometimes when I'm tired and I'm not thinking right, my words, I'm word challenged anyways. It's just the truth. I need the Lord's help. But not just to speak clearly, what I'm really after is the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. Don McClure, one of the Calvary Chapel pastors, finished preaching one day, was talking with Gil Irwin, another Calvary guy. And Don was just like, he rattles. I love listening to him, but he does rattle. And when he talks, he just kind of, I mean, it's like his point is here and he'll get there. But he might take a few detours before he gets to it. And he sat down one day after he taught and he thought, man, I just... You know, telling Gail, I just, horrible. And Gail said, you never spoke any better than you did. You know, it's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And God can take the guys who have perfect speech, and he can penetrate the hearts of those who need to hear perfect speech. And then he can take the guys like me, who uh, I'm just challenged. And, And I can... Think of words here, but it doesn't mean it's going to get out of my tongue the way I wanted it to come out. And yet God, through his inspiration of his Holy Spirit, he can touch hearts. It was said of D.L. Moody that, especially early on, he only graduated the third grade. As an evangelist there in the late 1800s, that he spoke horribly, but people responded to the message. Because it wasn't the messenger, but it was the work of the Holy Spirit and the message that was being preached forth. He who works effectively in you, God behind the scenes working. And realize that God is the same God today as he was yesterday in Paul's day and Peter's day. God is still the God who works effectively in us. In 1 Corinthians 12, 6, Paul tells us this way, there is diversities of activities But it is the same God who works in us all. And that's the same Greek word, the word that says working effectively. It's the same God. Different gifts, a variety of different activities, but the same God working in us all. In Galatians 3, 5, Paul says, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith? But it's that same word. He's working effectively. How is he doing that? Is it by the works of the law? No, it's by the hearing of faith that he's doing that work. And in Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now realize that one might be hard for us to kind of wrap our heads around. But the work that God wants to do in our lives It's for his pleasure, not for ours. Now, we may get some pleasure out of doing the work. There's nothing greater as we 
last month we were able to baptize nine people and be able to be the guy that got to do the baptize. See, I can't talk. Baptizing. But I realized that it was God all along working behind the scenes. I just got to be the guy that do the dipping. But it was for five of those, they were children from our children's ministry. It wasn't me who led them to Christ, but it was our teachers downstairs who's doing the teaching week in and week out. The parents who are bringing it home and telling their children about Jesus and living Christ before them. And all I did was get the privilege to baptize them. It was God behind the scenes working effectively for his will and for his good pleasure. We need to realize that there is one God, one work, one message, but we are all different people. In Ephesians 4.4, Paul said it this way, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He who works effectively in us all, one God behind the scenes working for his will and his good pleasure. He wants you to have a relationship with him. If you have that relationship, then you are conforming there in that will of God. But also as believers, he wants us to introduce Christ to others, that they can also know. God's will for their life. In verse 9, it says, And when James, Cyphus, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. That sense of, look, we shook hands on it. We're in agreement. This was a big deal. And Paul is saying that they didn't add anything to me. Titus wasn't compelled to be circumcised. In fact, they shook hands and said, go preach that message to the Gentiles. We'll stay here and we'll keep preaching it to the Jews. It's the same message, but they had the right hand of fellowship. You know, it's good to have such fellowship, to go in such agreement. Because of ShareFest, I've been meeting with several of the local pastors for about four years now. And we've been more consistent in this last year than ever before. And we're different. We're different in how we present the gospel. We're different in our education. We're different in how we think church should go. But when we take all the differences away, what I hope that we see is that we are men who just want to serve Christ and preach the gospel. We're going to do it differently. But can we come in fellowship? And work together. In February, I was down at the uh, East Coast Pastors Conference. I think that's what's, I don't know, Southeast or something like that. But it was in Florida. It was down there. And one of the Calvary pastors said something from the pulpit, which I thought was so wrong. He says, I don't have time for other churches and other pastors. And I realized that this guy is busy. He's from a large church. But to me, the message he was preaching to younger Calvary pastors is don't worry about the other churches. Let them do their thing. You do your own thing. I can tell you what, we're not going to see 
a full impact of the body of Christ coming together unless the pastors are worried about one another and coming together and, and trying to have this right hand of fellowship and realizing that you're going to do it a little differently. But if we have the similar foundation of Jesus Christ, the same foundation through Christ, and we believe that it's through faith alone and not by works, if we have the basics, then we should be able to have that right hand of fellowship. And this is what they desired. Verse 10, he said, this is the only thing they said. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. This is it. We preached the same gospel. They said, you know what? Remember the poor. And Paul said, we're in agreement on that one too. Hebrews 13, 16 tells us, do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. James 2, 14 through 17. He says, what does it profit my brother? And if someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can faith save him? Question mark. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warm, be filled, but you do not give him the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. That's pretty hard hitting. But the Lord is saying, I want you to put feet to your faith. First John 3, 17 but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? You know, in the Old Testament, this is so hard for us, especially as Americans. But in the Old Testament, God said often, you need to have open hands. Meaning, if someone has need, don't shut, shut up your hand to them. Here, it tells us open hearts, open hearts. We were watching a piece on, uh, uh, happened a few years ago in India, where over 100 people, 170 people were killed in India at four major. One was a house, a Jewish home, a six-story building, but, um, and then three major hotels where 100 and 70 people were held up by 19 hostages, and there was just this rampage of two days of killing that took place. In this one hotel at the Taj Mahal Hotel, this lady was telling the story. She survived the event, and um, she said, the cook said, you are my guest. I will protect you. And she said, he was shot and killed protecting me. Now, think about America. 19 terrorists come into four different hotels here in the United States. How many of those hotel workers, they knew the hotel, and in that documentary of this event, they said several times they could have went home. They could have left. They knew the way out but they chose to stay. The manager of the hotel actually got out and then came back in. So he was out of the building, 
And at that point, he said, for a moment, I thought about going home because he could have been gone. But then he turned around and he went back in. He wasn't really probably in his 30s even now as he's telling the story. But that's a heart of service. It should be the heart that we have. And let's do what Christ has called us to do in love, serve one another. And so I'm just going to put a little push to our faith because James says, without works, your faith is dead. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would be with us. We thank you for the message of the gospel. We thank you, Lord, that it is salvation through Christ alone, without the works of the law. And I pray, Lord, that we understand that the liberty that we have in you, Lord Jesus, is not a liberty to serve our flesh, but to serve others. I pray, Lord, that you would work in our lives, prick our hearts to do what you would have us to do. And Lord, that we would realize, even in the service, if we're a little nervous, that it is truly you who works effectively in us and desires to work through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.